people used to say to me, oh, I've, I've gone through this huge turning point in my life. Oh, what was that? Oh, I came back and I found out that my husband had been having an affair. My wife had been having an affair and it'd been going on for years. So we separated. And this was about five years ago. I found the time to just get back in connection with myself. And then I met this incredible guy. I met this incredible woman. And it was it's just such a completely different relationship to the one I was in with my first partner. And I realized I got married too young or blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff comes out. And I said, well, what happened? They said, well, this, this, and this. And the more I looked into it and the more I started to work on it with different people, I started to see that there were certain things they were doing. There were certain patterns they were doing that made this transformation after they'd gone through it. Most of us have to reinvent ourselves through something happening to us. Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you're listening to the Growth Tribes podcast with Dr. Rowe and Harms. This is the podcast where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to develop and record these podcasts is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine, sincere hope that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have gained at least one insight that you can take away and apply directly into your own life. Practical tools, voices that come in from both generations, the younger generation with tips and tools and the older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience so that you can help unlock your true potential to give the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level and to give you a chance to impact both your lives and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. Welcome to the Growth Tribes podcast. Hans here and welcome to another episode of the Growth Tribes podcast. Now, the world appears to be going back to normal, albeit slowly. And the news pages, how do I know this? The news pages now feature stories other than COVID-19, coronavirus. I'm starting to see other things on the horizon. Globally, there are protests creating change on in- on an incredibly important topic out there that's happening in major sports. Major sports are now back on the scene with Liverpool being crowned the English Premier League champions as of yesterday. If you're listening to this, it's 2020 and and after 30 years, Liverpool have now been crowned champions. But the reality is that's just the news. And these are global change events And what I mean by that will make sense as we go through this episode and I introduce Ro in a bit. So anchoring back to COVID, that was the real big, big, big scenario in 2020 to date. And the reality is, although there's some big news events, it would have had a real impact on millions of people. We know that, that's true. In terms of families and health, Globally, 489,000 plus deaths and counting have been attributed to COVID-19. In terms of families and finances, statistics in the UK say unemployment surged to 1.3 million people in the first quarter of 2020. And the reality of it is the effect of this will be very real in some households. The newspapers are talking about these global national statistics, but in households and in some people's lives in person, there's going to be, have been 
massive impact. But whilst the government continues to publish these statistics, I wanted to pull Roe in to the conversation today and talk about the actual people being affected, the actual people who have been impacted, the actual people who have families and lives and jobs and careers and businesses, and how we can talk to those individuals and families who have been affected. And I know Rose, a superstar on this topic. And with that in mind, we're going to do it in the best way that we know how, getting to the root of the problem, you know, not focusing on news headlines, but getting to the root of the problem, talking it through and giving you, the listener, a process you can use to get started with. Now, Ro, that is a bit of a dark introduction, (laughs) but I wanted to hammer home, you know, that we here at Growth Tribes, me and you, we understand the severity of what has happened and is happening. But the reality is much of it has also been out of our control, which has been even more frustrating. It's even as simple as people who would have, and I know we've spoken about this in previous podcasts, which is start of the year, 2020, COVID's not on the horizon. We've set up goals. We're going to go and smash 2020, quarter one of the year, quarter two of the year. And then all of a sudden, you know, the intention is set. But because of COVID-19, this intention, these goals have just been smashed. They've been obliterated and not in a good way, not in the uh, smashed in, yes, we achieved the goal, but actually the goal has just been taken out of our hands. So you're not going to be able to attain that in quarter one or quarter two this year because this thing called COVID-19 has appeared on the scene. So, you know, when I've read the book Turning Point, and again, we'll talk about that as we go through this episode, something you talk about is when something like this happens, you know, we could, this can lead to loss of motivation, giving up on that original goal, frustration, and then somebody's just left, you know, feeling lost. And I wanted to bring this conversation to you, Ro, because when a life-shaking event happens to somebody or a group of people, you are the person people reach out to. And I know they do this privately. I know they do this um, through people. I know they come and attend your live events. So this is one-to-one or it's a live event. And the reason they come to you is because you have the skill set, the processes, the tools in order to empower them with transformational change. I know that's your expertise and your passion. And I saw it live and so did the Growth Tribe supporters where you were coaching an amazing gentleman called Richard, a live coaching session, and you did exactly that, life transformation in like 45 minutes to an hour. It was incredible to watch. Now, that's an introduction. It's quite a long introduction, but I wanted to set the scene for the listeners. So, Ro, with all this in mind, what do you think, and I'm hitting you with a deep question straight away, what do you think is the core of helping people transition out of this crazy scenario crazy situation Mm. that we are in and have been in in 2020 Mm. great question Uh, and first of all thank you for the introduction although we you know we're we're close buddies and we share this stage together when we do podcasts uh, it's 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 never quite as easy to introduce somebody in that way because we're not bringing a guest in in a way you're bouncing off me so uh, yeah, it means a lot. And, and uh, yeah, really great introduction. Thank you. Look, everyone, thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Harminda has picked a cracking subject. We, we always bounce different ideas off each other leading up to a podcast. And then, uh, you know, this is one that I think he felt, you felt particularly at the moment, Harms, where we're at. Although I want to make a statement in a moment that change is happening all the time around us. What a time to do this now, because, oh my gosh, there is so much happening. So uh, it's a cracking subject. 
So I'm going to just say this to everybody, and I think it's a great quote to hold on to. It's one that I've held on to closely for many years, and I use it a lot when I'm working with people as well, and that is change is inevitable. Change is inevitable, but progress isn't. And what that means is that around us all the time, there is change happening. But our progress as a human being, our evolution as a human being, our development as a human being is not inevitable, even though there's change happening, meaning that a lot of stuff like COVID can happen all around us. And then, you know, out of this population that we have globally, some people, nothing will progress in their lives. They'll just continue. They'll fumble along. They'll complain about the world. They'll have experiences that they blame other people for and they feel a victim or powerless, as we heard just recently. There was another phraseology used by Ryan Pinnock in an interview we did on one of our podcasts. And they kind of get frustrated and they blame change. But actually, the opportunity is there when change happens. And I think this is why you're picking this subject today, is that we can go through a way of turning that change into a chance to progress and to evolve. I want to pause there to see if I've made that point clear, Harms, before I go any further. Yeah, that's exactly it. We want to leave people knowing that there's a process to help them through this. And although this seems way more severe than another form of change, the reality is, like you've said, change is inevitable. So that's that makes total sense. Yeah, good. So look, and as Harms said there, there is change happening everywhere, but some change is more significant than others. Or another way to phrase that, it's more impactful on us than other changes. So I don't want to, and neither myself or Harminda, want to take anything away from the situation that you're in, where you may already be experiencing change, irrespective of this, this experience of COVID-19 that we've had globally. Uh, for example, I know within Harminda's family, there's been a death recently. We had the same experience some months ago as well. Uh, I know of people that were going through a divorce before COVID, COVID came along. You know, that has magnified that process. Other people that were having emotional challenges, health challenges. So I think what happens is when we experience something like COVID, it brings together a culmination of lots of different things at one time. It turns our world upside down, whereas some people, a change might be a moving house. Somebody else might be a loss of a family member. Another person might be a loss of a job. Another person, it might be an opportunity to have a new job. Another person, it might be a relationship breakup. Another person, it might be, actually, I'm going into a new relationship, but I'm not sure if it's going to work. So these are all changes that happen around us. COVID has thrown financial challenges on people, relationship challenges, uh, career challenges, emotional challenges, life, emotional transformational changes. You know, what maybe somebody was possibly going to go through in 10 years time. A 35 year old may not go through that midlife crisis till they're 40, 45, 50. All of a sudden that's been compressed down. And I'm hearing conversations and I want to pick this up with you, Harms, over this podcast. Younger people now are asking the questions that they would have asked 10 years from now. Lot because they're observing older people having their whole world turned upside down and they're starting to say, oh shit, what if this happens again? I don't want to be in that situation in 10 years time. What can I do differently? So change is inevitable, but progress isn't. And how we tackle this is down to our emotional development. And I think that's, I kind of want to set a foundation for that early on. And over the years, what I've found is as I went through this experience myself, I went and studied so many people. I went to seminars. I read books. I developed, I went through different coaching programs. And over the years, I kind of found stuff that worked and stuff that didn't work. And I know it's the same thing for you, Harminder. At a young age, you, you're like a sponge. You know, I've seen you absorb huge amounts of information over these last four, five, six years. And out of that, you kind of 
pull out what works for you. And for me, it was a process for transformation. And it got to a point where it became second nature in anything I did with people or on myself. And as you say, we, we did that recently on, on the Growth Tribes community with a gentleman. But it can be applied by anybody. And if it's okay, I'd like to go through that process today in our podcast. I think that would be uber useful because of everything we've just described. Ultimately, somebody has gone through an impactful situation on their life. And it could have been, you know, it could not be COVID related. So I think another, we're going to be focusing on those typical scenarios possibly, but I think approach this in a broader sense. If you haven't been affected by COVID, I think that's useful as well. But Rod, another reason which almost supports why I wanted to have this conversation with you is just having you know, being a part of some of your live events, having been a part of some of your transformation conversations with people. And one of the things I noticed was people, maybe they don't take times like this seriously. So what I would encourage listeners to do is really be conscious mm. about what's happening in this episode, what you're going to be hearing, what you're going to be listening and take it seriously because what you won't, won't want to be and won't want to be in the situation of is sometimes when we do live events and we have a conversation with people we are talking about interacting with grown adults in yeah. their 30s yeah, yeah. 40s 50s 60s and what we find is well physically grown but emotionally in some cases as you've seen still maybe holding on to a, a seven-year-old belief system and it and it gets magnified by that environment Correct. And and what happens is, you know, they are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, and they're making life decisions, which should be so positive, almost mm. no brainer decisions. Yeah. But they're basing that decision on an event that happened to them decades ago. Maybe yeah. they were seven years old, maybe they were 15, maybe they were 25. Or maybe it was not even their situation. It was something that happened to their parents. Yeah. So they make these decisions based on just, I guess, emotional things or situations that happened to them or their family in the past. Now, I mean, just, just, I'm going to jump, I'm going to keep interacting here because what Harms is referring to, and we saw this just recently, but Harms saw it live a year ago with, with a gentleman from our Growth Tribes community who, I mean, for like 25, 30 years had locked up his communication, hadn't he? He'd been afraid to say things because he had been belittled or put down through verbal communication at some point in the past 20 mm. to 30 years of suppressing it so physically mature uh emotionally mature in some ways uh, you know you sort of guy you'd want to have on your team because you're very protective and but blocks because of years years ago correct and then what we don't want to see is say for example our so my generation this is my biggest fear rose and, and why I really think listeners should be taking this seriously, and if your parents to take this seriously, which is what we don't want is our generation who are, you know, 20, 30, 35 years old. And when they are 50 years old, they are making poor decisions or they're scared to make an exciting decision for them and their family in 20 years time, because all that's happening in the back of their mind is, oh my goodness, but remember when I lost my job because of COVID? Oh my goodness, remember when uh, I was sick for two weeks because of COVID. All these kind of situations will anchor back to this moment. And I think if we can help people with a process row, I would be grateful because I, then my generation will be equipped with the tools or anybody listening from my age group will be equipped with the tools that they can use 
in 20 years time so they're not they're not continuously blocked in their progression by what's happening in these three months mm. like it's it's three months in their whole life but they could be making or shaping all of their decisions based on these three months this is so true and actually you picked up on something that is, is a language that we use a lot in the world of transformation which is significant emotional event and i'm glad you spotted this as well because actually when you're in it you don't necessarily realize that's what it is and and sometimes it takes a very skilled coach to pick that apart and go back to that point and these significant emotional events are what people spend thousands if it's in america tens of thousands of pounds on psychiatric treatment or going and seeing you know the phrase is going to see a shrink literally and you know you and i've referred to this just recently where people have gone to coaches who have dragged out the coaching process for 10 12 18 weeks and what a lot of that is is going back and digging back into these significant emotional events that happened in the past that create a set of beliefs and a set of values and a set of blocks that then become the person's identity in the future so what harminder's saying is if we're not careful and this applies to us as adults listening to this but if you've got youngsters who are old enough to listen to this maybe process it certainly if they're in their teens and early 20s is Everything that's happened in these last three, four months, and COVID is far from being finished. We've got another six to 12 months, I personally believe, of having to try and process this change. And that's not to say we, we may not have another resurgence of it or another version of it. So if we don't understand the process now of how to deal with it, it's going to keep coming back. And these significant emotional events will definitely leave emotional scars for people. So I think you picked the right time to do this. And yes, and if you're listening to this and thinking, okay, so what's going to be the benefit of this? <laughs> well, me and Will are going to save you thousands of pounds in shrinks yes. in 20 yes, years down the yes, line. Yes, yes, <laughs> so if you're, if you're if you're money driven and you're like, yeah, but what's the what's the benefit of this? Well, actually, at some point, I feel like everybody is going to see a shrink for something the way the world is evolving. But if you understand this process, actually, you're going to save a whole bunch of cash. So well, actually, can I just add to that? So I, mm. I, I used to do um, very specific private uh, coach mentoring with people. And it wasn't, I wouldn't do it for a, a one or two sessions. They, they would want to come and they want to have a, a year with me. So I charged 20, 25, 30,000 pounds for a year. But a lot of it was focused on um, their finances. And this is what they came to me for, their finances and their, their building of wealth, etc. But when we went through the initial introduction, before I decided whether I wanted to work with them or not, I'd go through a questionnaire. And in the process of the questionnaire, what came out was health, relationship, and emotional blocks. Even though they wanted to work on money and finances and investments, et cetera, whatever, uh, I, I said, well, okay, but to get to there, we've got to work on this. And they're like, well, we don't know if there's a major problem there. So I said, right, let me in our first session see if we can tackle that. And, oh my gosh, tears, uh, heavy volume or high volume, Another word for that is argument, discussions between couples, everything coming out of the woodwork. So although they'd come to the table to try and quote unquote fix their lives by working on their finances, the reality is, you know, for example, there was one couple where he had been verbally abused by his father and he had become so um, meek in his belief system that whenever they went out to build a business and they'd attempted three businesses, he had always backed down, uh, not had the courage to st speak up uh, when he needed to with his business partners. His wife was getting frustrated because he was making promises which he wasn't keeping. And it wasn't that he didn't have the ability to do it, but he had got a belief system that he wasn't worthy enough. And even the slight tonality in somebody else's voice, the people he was doing business with, it made him feel too small and he kept letting the business fail. 
without realizing it. And she was getting angry. So this was nothing to do with wealth creation. It was to do with his self esteem, his belief. And we had to, we had to pick it apart very quickly and restructure what we're going to do today very quickly on the, on today. And that, that formed the first maybe month of that year. And when you're paying that much money, you want to get results. So we had to get that right. It's like straightening the tree first. Otherwise, if we tried to grow the tree, it would have gone off at an angle and they'd have had a very mature tree, but in the wrong direction. Sorry, to I, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent. But my point I'm trying to make to everybody is don't think that you don't need to deal with this stuff because this is stuff I don't need, I need to deal with that shit. I'll do that later. And I'm like, no, this is the shit you do need to deal with right now. And as a result of that, everything else lines up. The yeah. tree grows tall, the tree grows strong. And I think a lot of people miss that. They want they want the the fruits of the tree without, you know, exactly building a strong foundation, allowing that tree to grow. So that's a great point because that helps us now work towards what is that process? Because that's a, a you've just given us an example and a scenario. Maybe we can capture a few more. But for today and for the listeners, What's the process, Ro? How should we approach today's episode? Mm. And because I'm going to be leaning on you a lot this ep- on on today's show, which is um, around what we want to talk about, which is why I've pulled you into this conversation. So, what's the approach for this? Well, look, I mean, we're doing it in a way now. Even the process. If we stop now, anyone that's got even the remotest level of awareness, which you would do if you're listening to a podcast like this, is probably processing going holy shit, I've actually just put two and two together or I'm starting to see already. And and that, that ev- for everyone listening, please, you know, I've got, funnily enough, I've got a copy of my Turning Point book in front of me and I think it's the first or second page. It's like awareness is the first step to change. If we stop now, end of the podcast, you have enough awareness from what we've just talked about to say, okay, I'm actually starting to see signs in myself or certain behavioral reactions. You know, is there tension when you think about a certain area of your life right now, if there is even a remote sense of tension? And I know I have this at the moment with my own life because our life and how I'm will vouch for this has been turned upside down by the fact that our whole home is a building site. So there's certain things I think about in my life right now and I go, ooh, there's some tension there. Now I'm, I'm dealing with it literally on an hour on an hour by hour basis but if you step back from that and ask yourself the big picture of your whole life think about five or six different categories health relationships money um, business aspirations and purpose those sorts of things where do you feel a sense of tension because you've got a sense of tension chances are that's where you need to put the work in so i think what i want to say to everybody is this be aware that this session today is going to be a condensed version of what we'd normally go through. And I'll come back to that in just a minute. But Harms, if it's all right with you, I think what we should do is um, I'll go through the six step process. If we can tie into COVID, uh, but everyone listening needs to be aware that you might be, this applies at any time. And, and, and Harminda started the whole podcast with this. It, it applies at any time. It could be if you have had a job loss, if there's been a death, if you've experienced a divorce or some sort of significant emotional event, anything at all. This process is a great check-in and you don't have to do it in sequence. Once you've got to master it, you can jump in at any time into any area of it. So if, I think if we apply it to COVID today, at least, we can come back and revisit again a future podcast if we need to. Um, Let's try and bring in the generation, the older version. Maybe you ask me some questions and I'll ask you some questions and we'll kind of push each other a little bit on that. See if we can pick a few examples, if that's all right with you as well, Harms. And then if anybody says, well, this is great, but I need more, two places to go. One, um, go for those of you who are Growth Tribe supporters, and maybe Harms can elaborate on this in just a minute, you'll get access to 
two very important video series. Now, I created these a couple of years ago because people were saying, Dr. O, we can't come to your event. We couldn't make it. You're not running any more like that anymore. You're not doing any transformational events specifically like this. How can we follow your process? So I created a video series called Who Am I? And another one, Where Am I? And those two series help you get a good sense of these questions we're talking about. Um, Harms, you can elaborate on that in just a minute, how they can get access to that. And the other one is uh, get a copy of the Turning Point book. It's on Kindle or it's a hard copy. I've got a copy in front of me and it literally walks you through step by step the process. If you want me to coach you through it distance wise through a video series, then go and become a Growth Tribe supporter. And I think maybe Harms can add to that bit. Yeah, so Growth Tribe supporters for a small fee, whether it's a pound, five pound, ten pound, fifteen pound a month, you get to choose that, get access to a whole bunch of perks. Now, one of the greatest perks we have is a complete video series of transformational change in all areas of your life that Dr. Rowe has put together for your benefit. So, for example, if you became a five pound Growth Tribe supporter, then you would get access to a whole bunch of videos in the vault. Who am I from memory? The, the video series, Who Am I and Where Am I Now? Those two video series are available if you become a Growth Tribes supporter at £5 a month. So it's super simple. What's the purpose of Growth Tribe supporters? Very simple. You are going to be supporting the production of this podcast. So not only are you listening, we don't have any adverts in place. So you'll be supporting the creation of it and getting these powerful messages. I personally feel they're deep, they're powerful, they're transformational into lots of people's hands. So that's the that's the message there. So go become a Growth Tribe supporter. You can go check that out on growthtribes.com and growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Now, the frame here is amazing, Ro. And what I'm hoping is um, for my generation selfishly, but also for anybody listening is right now what we've seen in the news and my conversations with people, even at the start, middle or what feels like the end of this, and I agree with you, it's going to extend, but we're coming out the most impactful part and the rest of it, we're not quite sure, is that people come out and they feel hope, they feel courage, they feel happiness, they feel trust with, you know, authorities and, and people in charge. They're excited about the future. They're motivated to get out of this slow period and just hit the road running. They feel energized. Now they've had some rest. They feel focused. They feel empowered. That's my hope. By the end of understanding this six-step process you're going to share with them to handle any kind of change, rather than what people have been feeling right now through the conversation I've had with them, which is hopelessness, you know, they've got a feeling of depression. Maybe they're living by themselves. Maybe they're living in a couple. They feel isolated. You know, they're fearful. What if I can't get another job again? What if, you know, my clients are not going to pay my invoices for my business? They feel sadness that, you know, there's there's genuine family issues that have happened. We understand that. They feel lost. You know, they may be been in a career for 15 years and that industry has now been shaken to its core. You know, there's industries where the complete uh, industry has been wiped off the planet until further notice. They feel untrusting of authorities, experts, politicians, Maybe they've just fallen into apathy, laziness. You know, they've, they're, they're stuck in a rut currently. They're frustrated. The fact that these rules have been placed upon us and we had no choice about them, they're angry. Or 
they spent 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in a career, they feel like they, within an instant, they've lost their job or they've been put on furlough or whatever's happened and they just feel direction directionless. The job was the identity. So my hope is they don't feel the latter. They feel these emotions that I've described in the first part, which again, people can pull from the Turning Point book. In preparation for this podcast, I, I flicked through the book reminding myself of what is the place to live in, what those emotions to be anchored to, and it's those first points. So well, I've pulled those from the Turning Point book. If right. anyone is curious where I've suddenly come up with all these exciting words at the top of my head, I haven't, I pulled it from the Turning Point book. So the difference in the perception of those two scenarios is massive, and the outcome for someone who falls in either of those categories is massive as they go through this process. So my hope is they leave with those positive feelings by the end of this episode, or at least they feel like they can access them by understanding how to deal with change. So we're over to you to talk about Mm. the six steps of change. We mentioned it, but what actually is it? Okay, so I'm not going to list them all out now. What we'll do is we'll go through them in a sequence and hopefully that will keep people listening and sort of following the process. What I will say is that as you listen to it, follow the process through first and you should naturally get a sense of where you're thinking ah you know what actually that area there is an area I think I need to work on more if you are already familiar with quite a lot of personal development and some of these areas you say okay I've actually cool with that I'm good with that great then you might want to slide that part and go to other areas where you think you're weaker if you really want to do this thoroughly And I actually think it's a good play. You know, you can do a reset at any time. And this is a great time to do it is actually work top to bottom from the first all the way through to number six. And remember, this is something that can be done quickly or slowly. But the first time around, it's generally going to take longer to do. We take three days with people to do this to really nail this home when we do the turning point events. Uh, So the, the process is designed in such a way that most people Uh, Let me give you an example very quickly. Most people have something happen to them. And the reason the book got named The Turning Point is because people used to say to me, oh, I've I've gone through this huge turning point in my life. Oh, what was that? Oh, I came back and I found out that my husband had been having an affair. My wife had been having an affair and it had been going on for years. So we separated. This was about five years ago. I found the time to just get back in connection with myself and then I met this incredible guy I met this incredible woman and it was it's just such a completely different relationship to the one I was in with my first partner and I realized I got married too young or blah 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 and all this stuff comes out and I said well, what happened and they said well this this and this and the more I looked into it and the more I started to work on it with different people I started to see that there were certain things they were doing there were certain patterns they were doing that made this transformation after they'd gone through it most of us have to reinvent ourselves through something happening to us but for a lot of the time if we could do it before that happened to us we might be able to avoid the problem avoid that bad relationship avoid being in the wrong job or the wrong business or the wrong business partnership or career or all these things Oh, by the way, that includes financial status as well. So how you manage your money. So the six step process can be applied in the middle of a, of a tornado coming out of a tornado, which is what really has happened with, with COVID or any time before something's going to happen to you. You don't even know it's going to happen or you might anticipate you're going to lose your job or you might feel the relationship struggling a little bit. Get on it now. Get on it now. Get on it now. So that's going to be my caveat to start with. And the other thing I'm going to say, and what I'll do is I'll go through, I'll describe the the process and Harms just feel free to jump in and question me on it if I'm going too quick with it. 
uh, any time, but I'll, I'll go step by step and then I'll jump in and ask Harms to add maybe his observations. Or maybe, Harms, you could give us an example of a shift that happened to you or somebody you've known around you from a younger generation, and I'll tackle it on an older generation as well. Uh, first things first, uh, older generation, younger generation, whoever's listened to this, be a silent witness, be a silent witness. I think we've said this a few times now on the Growth Tribes podcast. Be an observer of yourself. This is not going to work if you just kind of dive in and try and just do it. You've got to step out and observe yourself. You've got to be open to asking your husband or your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever relationship you're in, or someone you trust. If you're not sure about one of the things that we're going to talk about next, maybe go out to somebody else and say, by the way, I've been trying to reflect on this area of my life. What do you think? What do you see about me? in this area, language, beliefs, values, etc. We'll come to it in a moment. So be a silent witness and ideally witness yourself. But if you can't or you feel struggling with that, ask someone to help you with it. That's great, Ro, because one of the questions I was going to have is like, how does somebody become self-aware? Because that's not automatic to people. So I do love that. One of the ways to do it is just to go to somebody you trust and just just ask them to be open with, I guess, any of the steps that you're going to share, right? Yeah, all of them, actually. And it's a good point. We're in a, I mean, look, the world, there's so much noise. And Harminder's tackled this several times on our previous podcasts. There is so much noise out there in social media that, and if you, I can't remember which one it was that we did, but Harms gave some fundamental tips on how to tune that out or to tune that down. The last uh, episode. It was the last episode, was it? Mm. Uh, which one was that? Just remind me. So why you should not put your kids on social media. Okay, so yeah, it's a yeah, cracking yeah. Okay, so but it actually us, applies yeah. to everybody. Yeah, so, but he also, I think you've sort of mentioned it on occasion. On other, so the point here is that, and, and you know, those of you, don't, but don't get me wrong because we don't want you to tune out Grow Tribes. And if you listen to the Business Online um, podcast, which is brilliant with Kyle, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that one because that is a way of practically evolving yourself online in other words creating a business it's not about being obsessive about social media it's about using social media and the internet to create an opportunity for yourself to generate an income and that's something to go and have a listen to separately the the building a business online podcast what i'm talking about here is tuning out all the noise in such a way that you have the space to do it you you just don't allow anything to come into this process because the minute you get distracted you will start to have a separate conversation with you about something else, which takes us to step one. Step one is mastering your internal and your external language. I'll say that again, internal and external language. Now, anything I say, Harms, which you're aware of, if you think actually that, that they may not have got that, just pick my brains on it and ask me a question. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because you're going to have to dig into this deeper. But if I give you some clues, the hope is you go, oh, shit, Dr. Rowe, that makes sense. Let me give you very quickly the six forms of communication. And I boiled this down over the years. Everyone goes, there's all these different ways of communicating. Well, I've taken it from a large list down to six and even, in fact, even closer down into two forms, which is internal and external. But essentially, you've got internal communication, which happens all the time, even while you're listening to us right now. You will be having a conversation in your head with yourself, your unconscious mind. And it's that internal communication that ultimately manifests itself externally. If you came up and you bumped into Harminder on the street and you started talking to him, having listened to us, you may have processed so many internal conversations about these podcasts and you go, oh my gosh, Harminder, I just wanted to say to you, and then you start externally communicating with him. That's because internally you've had that conversation You've structured certain sentences and certain thinkings, and then that comes out through your external communication. Now, internal communication 
can serve us, but it can also screw us up because if it's negative, it's riddled with negative beliefs, poor value system, a lot of emotional abuse. It becomes so negative that you see in people literally every other sentence is a victim state. And by the way, victim meaning that they feel like the world that the, the in real terms, the world may have given them some really difficult situations. All of us have had them. And if you listen to the podcast with Ryan Pinnock, he talked about powerless. He said, I use the word powerless. And as people feel powerless from their circumstances, but it comes out through their language. So you have internal communication, then you have external communication. That's how. So well, before you before you jump to external, uh, one tip which I found fascinating when uh, everybody understands internal communication logically in the sense that, yeah, there's always this chatter yeah, going right. inside our hell- heads. But I would, if you want to really understand what your internal communication is, I would encourage you to sit there for an hour and <laughs> it's meditate. I mean, that's the title it's given, yeah. but whatever. Just be just silent. Just keep it. Yeah. Just be silent. No distractions and just sit there for an hour. The chatter and the words that would fly around your mind will start to make you aware of what that internal chat is because sometimes we can't see it because of all this external noise. There's lots of stuff being thrown at us and we don't sometimes have a second to even understand what's happening in our head. 30 minutes, 60 minutes, just sit there and just start to become aware of what that internal chatter is, which will then identify, is it, positive or is it negative mm. as rose just alluded to and actually if you do what Hamid has suggested he did it for 10 days by the way on a completely silent retreat didn't you um no, no, destructive <laughs> destructive thoughts <laughs> but you, you if you just take a pen and paper and apply that to what Hamid has just just for an hour and write down every single thought and do, put line down the middle of the page left hand side positive engaging right hand side negative or whichever way you want to swing it and just capture it and you'll start to see that conversation, but you've got, it's got to be natural. You can't kind of sway it because you go, oh, everything's positive. But the reality is you, if you give it time, you'll see that combination of different conversations that you're having with yourself. So we've got internal, which is one form. We've got external, which is how the world hears us communicate to them. The next one is statements. So another form of communication is statements. Now, statements can be made internally and externally, and they are simply a reflection of a belief. So anytime you say something that doesn't have a question mark on the end of it, it means you're making a statement and a statement can only be made if you, if it's tied to a belief. So if I say to you, it's going to be a hot day today, I believe it's going to be a hot day today. If I say to you, um, yeah, I just feeling really pissed off at the moment with John because he did this, this and this and this, I'm not, it's not a question. It's me externally communicating from an internal communication, a statement about a belief and this when you get this next part in a moment this is a game changer and this this is why i mean the coaching session harminder and i went for a bike ride last night and while we were cycling around he made an observation he said it was fascinating to watch because first five seven eight ten minutes you were really quiet and he was just making statement after statement but those statements harms literally created a picture of his world as a coach we could see he was painting a picture every one of them was a statement wasn't it about his belief about the world correct Correct. And, you know, if you're thinking, okay, what what are statements that apply to me in COVID right now? A statement is, um, I lost my job because my boss 
was running the business right. poorly. Right. Like that's a, a destructive statement. That's a just one that's popped the top of my head. Oh, they that's don't value just, me enough. They let me go. They don't value me enough. There's another statement. They let me go. They don't value me. Um, that's a there's another statement which pop may pop out. Uh, and there's positive ones as yeah, well. Yes, so or it could be that oh, uh, this 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 has led to more customer opportunities for me. I think I can bring a new product to the market. That'd be another belief, another statement. Mm. But statements mm. work hand in hand with questions, which is number four form of communication. And the reason that we're bringing this to the table is because in the time we've got today if we can lay this out and you go okay now because ultimately you've got to be in control of each one of these forms of communication if you're not they're in control of you if you're not in control of your internal communication it goes rife it's like a weed and the thing about this is that if you uh if you took a garden and you looked at weeds coming up and you watered it with with water which are your thoughts effectively and the thoughts are reflected by an internal communication if you give enough water to the weeds they're going to thrive if we strip the weeds out and then we put something positive in there and we water that it changes so uh, a garden will return what you put into it so if you put enough weeds in there it will return weeds if you put enough good flowers beautiful flowers wild meadow grass it will return that to you so this internal communication goes hand in hand with the external communication which just happens to be then in two forms statements which is number three form or the fourth form of communication is questions at which point you say is that true there's a question or when harm said oh yeah there's you know you could make this comment and you go is he right about that we only ever make statements or questions and questions come from a lack of clarity internally or something we see externally. Think about that, what we're talking about now. We're talking about you internally having a conversation, say, am I worthy of this? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm worthy of this. Am I worthy of this? Let me go and check with somebody else. Am I worthy of this? And we look for an external. We ask a question to somebody else externally. And I turn to Harms and say, do you think I'm good enough to do this? Now, even that external statement to Harminder about something I'm about to do, if he's remotely tuned into a person's psyche, he'll know that that isn't just a simple statement. That's actually come from a lot of internal dialogue, which probably goes back to something in my past, maybe 10 years ago. And all that internal has led to an external statement. And it's not a statement, it's a question. So I've got all to the point where this internal dialogue has gone backwards and forwards. And finally I go, boo, and I ask somebody a question. And that question can reveal a lot about who we are as a person inside, or I make a statement to Harminder, and it's the same thing. Then and is I, it fair to say, Ro, that these statements and questions can both be applied to internal conversation or yes. internal communication and external? So we can also, I could also ask myself a question uh, to myself internally, which nobody else gets to hear. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, so the beautiful thing about this is, and this is the whole point, is that when we make a statement, it's primarily linked to our beliefs which we'll get to in step four so if we can start to clean up our belief system and we can start to change the quality of the questions that we're asking internally as you've just pointed out or externally to the people around us what it does it starts to put let's for the sake of the rest of this podcast imagine we've got a completely beautifully weeded garden and it's just pure soil it's lovely soil it's ready to go what we place into that soil will now result in an output. The output could be weeds or it could be beautiful flowers. And that comes down to the questions we ask ourselves. Each question, a good quality question represents a nice seed. A poor quality question represents a weed, it's a weed if you like. And the same thing with our statements. So instead of saying to yourself, 
why can't I lose weight? Why can't I lose weight? We ask a different question, which might be, what can I do to enjoy the process of losing weight? Now that question then goes, ah, okay, what can I do to enjoy the process? I know, I like to bike ride. I'll find my friend Harminda and I'll go for a bike ride every day. And if I do that, I'll burn enough calories and I'll lose weight enjoying the process. So the quality of our questions and our statements then lay a different type of seed into the garden. I'll pause there for a minute, see if that makes sense. That does make sense. And let me give the listeners and yourself Ro, an example of, you know, me and my wife, when COVID-19 hit and of course it affected our business. So when me and my beautiful wife, Gina, were sitting in the office you know, the first statement is, oh shit, this COVID-19 thing is right. real. Right. And it's, my goodness, the government are now going to lock us down. Okay, so that's a statement. Now, once we had got that kind of what the hell is going on statements out of the way, the question very much turned to, and to be fair, I've gone through this again and again and again. So it's a lot easier for me, even in trickier situations. But the quality of the question here is critical at an early stage. So we were having this conversation conversation a week into covid being announced and then the question was encouraged by you in terms of the quality question is what what can we do as a family to best make use of this time if we're going to be locked down for 12 weeks that was the assumption that was happening so we then asked that question to the business to the health uh the health meant running and bike riding the the business meant okay, well, let's, what can we do to generate revenue in this short space of time? Mm, What mm, should we, so these were the statements and questions which were back and forth. And what was really interesting I found though is as we, and I'm recalling stuff from months ago now, but as we was going through the, the state, the statement started negative. I, I, you know, I can't deny that. Oh my goodness. What's going to happen to our business. But as the quality of the questions got better, the statement started to clean themselves up. It was the statements had direction, the statements had purpose, the statements were like, we now know what we're doing. This is great. This is this is what we're doing. And the the questions almost helped us clean up those statements. And uh, I mean, uh, what I'll do is whilst I'm I'm hopefully you're okay for me to say this. But what happened was during that process. Now, this is an older, younger generation conversation. So for those of you that are older, if you're listening to this and you're thinking yeah but i'm too old for this stuff you know I, i'm not sure if i can go for this change process anyone can go through this don't think that because this is a you know growth tribes we've got people in the teenage right through to 60s and 70s listening and if you've got parents that are older well obviously they're older than you now but if your parents are older in their thinking and you listen to this podcast actually i'd like my parents to listen to this i've worked with people up to 70 80 years of age even older than that 90 but on average sort of 60 to 80 is that there is a group of people that come into our events that want that are emotionally developed enough to want to change please don't assume that because you've got to a certain age you can't apply this any single human being if you want to can do this because it doesn't matter if you're 70 or 17 you're still asking questions and you're still having internal communication, you're still making statements, and you're still having external communication. The only difference, if you're a 70-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old listening to this right now, even a 40-year-old, is that your weeds in your garden will have a thicker stem, the roots will be deeper, it's going to take a lot more yanking out. A 17, 20-year-old, 25-year-old, even 30-year-old, those roots have not bedded in long enough. It's like a big tree a big root the older it gets the deeper those roots get now i'm pretty sure that would make sense for anyone listening to this but they can be removed that makes sense in the sense that what's also really useful there is that 
if you remember, every garden gets weeds. They're just Correct. easier to pick. Mine included. I, I had the it. same. I, I, had, I was having statements with myself early on because it's a, sh- a lot of this is about shock. So what Harmin has just jumped in previously and said about, yeah, we had these conversations with ourselves. We had the same thing. When something hits you hard, there is always a natural knee jerk reaction. And that's nearly always a shock reaction, internal, external. So don't beat yourself up and think we're perfect because we're not. Uh, I had the same conversation with myself and certainly I was like, blimey, how are we going to deal with this? But quickly we shifted the focus, but they will, they will still be there. So it's okay mm. to have them as long as you've got the tools to quickly change that focus. And the more you do this, the easier it is to remove the weeds. It's like an ongoing yes. gardening yeah, process, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why I don't have a garden row because it's tough enough to do it in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you come and work on mine instead. I'll work on um, yours, yeah. But on, so on that note, to personalize this for Harminda, and bear in mind the 20-year gap between the two of us, I asked him a simple question probably about four weeks back now. Bear in mind that you know we're sort of three months in and, and a lot of changes have happened and they've done some really positive stuff on their business, et cetera. And my question was... And you remember this, Harminder, and hopefully you won't see me saying this, is how do you want to remember this period as a couple without children, knowing that you've got a baby coming in about five or six weeks' time? How do you want this last period to be? Because it won't be like the average person. You know, if you'd given birth two years ago, you'd have been out doing all these different things as a couple, but you've kind of locked in. And if you remember, uh, my only question to Harminder was, you know, it was along the lines of, you know, what experiences do you want to remember uh, in addition to the great achievements you've had in your business? Uh, you're okay for me to share that, Harms? Absolutely. Because Did, what was your reaction to that question? Because it came, it, it came, although I'm a friend, it was like an older voice coaching question with a pre-frame, please know that I'm sending this from a place of love. And it was just like a bang. Didn't ask for anything back. It was just a statement, really, a statement stroke question. So I th- so I think if we use the example of the, the garden, you know, if, if I was spending, yes, COVID-19 is going on, baby's coming soon. But if I was spending, which I was, by the way, spending, I don't know, say 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. working on the business, that's creating weeds within the relationship. That's creating weeds within this time I could spend with my wife. So the first reaction, the gut feeling is, yeah, but if I don't focus on the business and this right. is internal talk now, if I don't focus on the business, then there's not going to be a business like that kind of internal talk was going on. Just to jump in, don't break your flow, but just to caveat this, everybody, if you listen, thinking fuck, Rose is pretty direct with Harminda. I actually placed a statement in there to say, I, I've been there myself. And it was a self-reflection on a Saturday night, having spent quite a lot of time with Harms that week, just going over lots of stuff. And I thought, hold on a minute, I need to just share a personal message because I've been through it as well. So it's not like there's some righteous message here. It was just kind of a, a 20 years down the line, looking back, how do you want to remember these last six weeks? I just want to add a caveat in there. So the quality of that question then, again, allowed me to quickly sift through these negative statements uh, probably thinking, well, Ro, it's all right for you. Like those kind of, right, you know, yeah, they just, yeah, they yeah, just yeah, pop yeah. up in your mind. Oh, well, it's, it's all right for you to say that. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, um, what we, I would like to know what you was doing during COVID-19 in, when you was 30, <laughs> like all these kind of things. And, and this is, yeah. this is a natural reaction, but these are my natural reactions. It's got nothing to do with uh, what you were saying. And then the, and I kept anchoring back to the quality of the question, which is how do you want to look back and remember this time? And then, then that quality of the question again cleaned up the statements which was 
yeah, actually, how do I want to? And it's up to me how I wanted to act on that, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but that that statement and question communication, then having the internal comms with myself and the external comms with you, and then then my wife and working out, actually, how do we want to? Then it became a a whole list of statements. And then the next thing you know, me and my wife are sitting down, listing down all the amazing things we want to do. Uh, within this next two three months before the baby comes and when we reviewed it last week fast forward two months it was like oh my goodness we've done 90 percent of these things so the quality of the question although sometimes we may not want to hear it or don't want to hear it um actually cleans up the act as such yeah and it, and it's um it's only something I, mean, I haven't got time to do it now, but there's a timeline process that if I'm working with somebody, had it, had it been a coaching client, I would have said, okay, and we're on a session, I would have taken arms out into the future, sat on a rocking chair and gone all the way back through, literally week by week, the, the weeks leading up to the birth, describe a dream situation, describes it. And then I would ask the question, is that what you're doing right now? And, and, and he might have gone, yeah. Or he might have gone, actually, no, that's a freaking good point. No. And the problem is, once you've gone through that, it's the first one-off experience he's ever going to have, his first child. You can't, you can't go back and change that. So this is the beauty of having the ability to ask those questions before the event occurs, if that makes any sense. Mm. And that could be during COVID. That could have been that's right. at any point, right? Yeah. That's, that's irrelevant to COVID and lockdown, et cetera. We had to adapt our plans, of course. But I think what's really powerful there is the change against whatever situation is going on is going to be personal to you anyway for me the big change was there's a baby coming covid just happens to coincide with that so i think that is powerful though because i think within somebody's garden there's different sort of what are they call patches yeah agreed Veg- vegetable patches and what, yeah yeah, yeah. one area is growing really well but how come it keeps coming correct. back over there <laughs> oh the weeds oh oh the weeds are there because i haven't even looked at that for two weeks like, yeah so i think that's powerful and, and yeah very uh open honest share there in those kind of conversations yeah. which anchors back to the awareness thing which is it's sometimes hard for you to be aware of yourself regardless very of true how yeah emotion yeah. developed That's you are i know true. i know this six-step process inside out now as well Ro, but i never i still wasn't aware enough so, so you came into uh, into the life at that moment and asked that question so yeah. sometimes guys you're gonna have to go and reach out to people and say this is a scenario like you know what's your thoughts yeah what, true what's your thoughts on this I think and by the way harms didn't know i was gonna ask that question we never we never preempt any of this stuff on grow tries because for it to be real authentic and to go to black belt quickly it's got to be like straight off the cuff and, and i and didn't as know soon you, as you were, that question on as saturday soon as you, night either yeah true true <laughs> uh, and as soon as you were talking about it now i just thought i should I, there's an immediate anchor i can think of that where this came into play so that's number four remember we're still on step one of the whole process um so the last two parts of communication or forms of communication so we've gone through internal external statements and questions next one is desire so well i'll I'll do the last two together We, we basically communicate from two places one is desire or from fear that's it so we're driven from uh you know pleasure or pain is another terminology in the psychological world in the, in the world of psychology we have to do things from a place of pleasure where we, we desire something and we communicate about that or we come from a place of um fear so this is the key thing if you're going to do this properly you've got to be absolutely clear that when you're communicating 
You're channeling your internal, external, your statements and your questions, and you want to decide where that communication is going to go. So it channels through a place of desire, which is basically about what you would like to achieve. And even the way you language that needs to be changed as well, by the way, but that's for another conversation. So are you communicating on a daily basis from a fear-driven place? We've got to do this. We have to do this. We need to do this. Or is it coming from a desire perspective? And the difference would be this. Oh, I'm really looking forward to doing this. I can't wait to experience this. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to do this. That's a very different experience. So when somebody talks, and I find myself doing this as well, I'll check in and I'll go, did that come from a place of fear? or from a place of desire and fear. Another word for fear. If you listen to your bloke, you might say, I don't have any fear. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just retune that to uh, desperation, um, a, a, a quiet sense of urgency. It's got to get done now. We've got to get this done now. Something like that is nearly always coming from that energetic space, as opposed to, I can't wait to get this done over the next half an hour. So completely different form of communication so i've compressed the last two forms into one there if that makes sense harms am i making that clear that's fantastic because the statements and questions then you know in order to decode them because i know we said okay they could be positive and they could be negative well actually now's a nice anchor to positive you know is it coming from a place of want desire love purpose or is it coming from this idea that oh my goodness, if I do this, what's going to happen? Is the worst case scenario going to happen? So it's that's another way to help you understand yeah. what is a positive statement and question, what is a negative statement and question. You can, I guess, ask Ro the question off the back of whatever's going on, which is, is this coming from a place of desire or is this coming from a place of fear? That's another question you could attach to your final either internal or external talk. Yeah, and actually, I mean, if you said, you know, what's... For the listeners today, what's one of the first? I'm looking at the timing on this. Uh, do we do the? Do we do all six steps in this one podcast? Because I, looking at now, we're coming up to an hour. Knowing how much there is to cover here, is it better we uh, stretch it? What do you think? Do you think? <laughs> I think Growth Tribes podcast being the way it is, and when me and you get into a conversation, uh, I, I think we were very ambitious to think we could get all six steps into one episode. So I think let's do three. And then let's do the final three on another episode as a part two, if that works for you as well. Okay, in that case, that's great. In that case, just to wrap up this part on language and communication, for anyone listening, what I, would, I think what we'll do is we'll encourage the action points as we go through it today, if that's all right with you. So my suggestion to be would be today, as you come off the back of this podcast, bearing in mind we're going to now split into two parts, is to start to look at the language of results. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, what I wrote about in the turning point was it's all about the direction. It's the direction of the communication that you're making. So to simplify what we're talking about, because a lot to take in, in a short space of time, if we were live in front of you, if I was coaching with you, whatever, we would. I would be saying to you, just talk to me for a few minutes. Now, if you end up on the Growth Tribes community through, you know, through, through the supporters of the Growth Tribes, you some point may choose to go in and look at some of the coaching sessions that I've done with people and you'll actually see it happening live in those sessions. If I was to just simply ask you to talk to me for five minutes about your situation, that's all I need to get a picture of where your world is, what your world looks like. But to, because I can't do that with you now and Harminda can't do that with you now. It doesn't matter if you listen to this and you're a young person or an older person, you're going to be making one of two things, statements or questions. What I want you to do over the next 
week to the next podcast is start to track the type of statements that you are making and just be mindful of it. So when you're talking to somebody, just tune into whether it's a positive statement or a negative. Don't try and steer it at this stage because you're aware of it now. And again, jump in if you agree with this harms or if you want to add any context to this, but because you're aware of this now, even the fact that we're saying it, you may actually already start to steer your statements towards uh, you know, more a desired type of outcome than a fear-driven one. But I want you to be as natural as possible because it's only through this process that you'll actually be clear of it. Now, if I was doing it unconsciously, I'd just say, hey, tell me a bit about your situation and you'd talk and that would reveal all the clues I need to hear. So you've got to move towards statements that are not driven from a, a place of desperation. But for now, I just want you to track it, track your statements. Now, if after two or three days, you're becoming very clear in your mind about where that is, you can now start to choose what direction you want to make those statements go in. So you can shift the statement from, for example, I'll just I'll, get, I'll read you a quote from The Turning Point, right? So I'm just going to turn. This is page 70 for anybody that's listening. Let me pull one up because you're probably going to ask me to give you some examples. So I've got some here. So uh, and so you can understand them in context. This is This is to do with shifting statements from negative to positive. So an old statement might be, I need to make money. That's it. That's a desperate one. As opposed to, it'll be fantastic when I develop my new business and receive more income. There's one example. Another one might be, uh, I need to have new experiences because you know my life is boring at the moment. As opposed to, I would love to experience and then dot, 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 whatever that would be. Am I making sense here, Harms? That does make sense. And that's, I love those examples because sometimes, you know, if this is the first time you're listening to this, you may not be aware of is this desire orientated? Is this fear orientated? Is, is this in a right. direction that gets results? Where is it going? So these examples were really helpful. Yeah. And I think that's for now, that's just in the question and the language section. That's all I want to do, because we could dig really deep into this and start to look at the questions. And there is a very specific press process with questions where you go broad to narrow. If you said to me, well, what should I be looking for? Is just, you know, if you start asking yourself questions like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And, 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 why can't I do this? That's a negatively driven question. Whereas if you just put the word how, just change your why into a how, why can't I get fitter as opposed to how can I find a way to get fitter and have more fun as we talked about earlier on? That that would be enough. Extremely powerful. Yeah. Before we move on to the next step, I would say if there's one action for myself in this section, and I really like this idea of giving action as we go through these steps because they are in depth, is go and sit down for 30 minutes in silence and just have a listen to the internal talk really simple one for me just as a as a go-to yeah very good anchoring back to right at the start of what we described which is you know master your internal and external language and actually that might be the best thing to do first then look at the statements and the questions that come out of that moment of silence and then having reflected as harms has just talked about there then throughout the course of the next week any conversation that you have internally and externally any just be mindful don't beat yourself up don't go oh my god i've just done it again there just go ah have a journal with you and maybe if you did a silent half an hour 20 minutes whatever it is every day and then outside of that any conversation with anybody business personal life relationships kids just be mindful of that and you know what's going to happen you're going to start to notice in everybody around you oh my gosh negative statement positive statement and you'll see which some people are just loaded with loads of positive and others are loaded with loads of negative yeah, and, and, and apparently Google, and Google, Facebook and Microsoft are fighting to allow you to transcribe what's happening in your mind and turn that into an app and just tell you exactly what's happening in your mind. So 
uh, we'll let you know when that's released. Oh, wow. Um, okay. They're talking about 10, 20 years, but they're, they're <laughs> trying to tap into it. But we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe we so can solve just, a lot of uh, problems. Yeah. Well, rather than wait 20 years, just uh, have a silent moment to start with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, right. So that's step one, which is basically mastering your internal and external language. So we'll cover the last, the next two steps. And then we'll, as I think you, you're going to do a, a wrap and we'll take it into a part two. Uh, so step two is, and this is a big one, by the way, if you don't think the last one was big, there's another big one, is revaluing your life. Let me say that again, revaluing your life. Now, let me try and explain what I mean by that is every single human being operates off a set of values. And, and this is always very confusing for people. We kind of know instinctively what a value is, but a lot of people don't know how to define it. So I've simplified it in my mind over the years to simply say a value is just a feeling that you want to have in a specific area, meaning that if you want to feel healthier on a regular and consistent basis, that means you value health. If you want to feel more successful in your life or in a specific area of your life, then that means that you value success. If you want to feel more connected or loved in an area of your life, then you value love or you value connection with other people. So in other words, what I'm saying is anything that you want to feel a lot of on a consistent basis, that means you have you you add you have more value or you that has a greater sense of value. Now you can have all sorts of feelings and some feelings you're going to want to experience more of than others, which means that there is a hierarchy of value attached to these values. So for example, I know, for example, with Harminder, he values health very highly, as do I. And so that would reflect in the way he lives, I live, or anyone else for that matter. Whereas someone else who doesn't value health as much, you would see them just go and pick up any old food and eat that. Whereas somebody who values health more would be that little bit more selective about where they choose to get their food from. Interestingly enough, I spoke to somebody just this morning and was talking about a place opposite our house, which is in, in our area, and it's a farm, an organic farm. And he goes, oh, yeah, I bought some food there just the other day, but it's really expensive, isn't it? Now, in my mind, I, I know it's more expensive than other food that we might buy in a supermarket, but we also know, I think you had a bean from there yesterday. I'm just going to laugh at this. I said, try this bean. It's from across the road. And um, the, you know, the flavor, the taste, the quality of the food, it's organically farmed. It's also a, a non-for-profit farm, which is really interesting. My, my response was, this tastes like a vegetable. <laughs> wow. Uh, so you can get organic food from supermarkets, but oddly enough, supermarket organic food is definitely better than just your standard food but it is very different to hand-picked, hand-grown organic food as well. So the quality of the way, or the, the level of value that you put on that value will affect the way you operate there as well. It's the same thing with integrity. If you value integrity, you're going to operate uh, in a very different way in your business. So we, on a day-to-day -day basis, our values define how we show up. I mean, I'm literally just, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I've got my turning point set off to the right of me here. I'm not even looking at it because I'm just looking through out the window. I'm looking at a window scene at the moment. Uh, for me, this is such an important part. If you can nail this, this one step in the process, everything changes. Now, why is it appropriate to COVID uh, and the frame that Harmind has given us for the whole point of this podcast and, and for any other situation? 
is because when you go through change, it is a chance, and maybe you can jump in and, and add some value to this with, with youngsters in the younger generation harms as well, is when we go through a big change, it stops us in our tracks and it makes us ask questions, which is interesting because that's the first step process. In the, and those questions are nearly always linked to our values. And if you say, what the fuck are you talking about, right? So, you know, if you're a 55 year old and you've gone through COVID and now you're thinking about going back to work, you might have a question, do I really want to keep going in and spending all these hours doing this type of work? Or do I want to spend the next 10 years doing this? I kind of feel differently now. I want to experience more variety or I want to experience more excitement. That means that someone who's 55 who's going back after COVID now, who's been in that same job for the last 20 years, is asking questions like, I want to have more excitement. I want to have new variety. I want more challenges, which means they value that now more than they may have done for the last 10 years because the last 10 years, they got two kids going through university. They got a high value mortgage. They got a load of stuff on hire or whatever. And so they've worked to provide security for the family, which means security and financial security has been a high value to them. But now after COVID, that that isn't enough. They're asking serious questions, which is, I, I want something different now. So suddenly the value of change, the value of variety and the value of excitement has now moved up the hierarchy of values. So it's become more prominent. It may be number three or number four, or number five, whereas before it might be number 15 because they didn't, it didn't mean that security was a greater value than variety. I'm going to stop because I'm getting deep and I might be going too deep. Just talk to I, us, Harms. Okay, so that's fantastic in the sense that it allows people to understand that with this pause comes this opportunity to reevaluate and realign you know, the values of your life in, in the sense that the values will drive what you do. So I think you made that super clear. How another way this also shows up, which is in relation to COVID and the scenario we've been through, which is either it will make you aware of, but also make sure you don't do this, which is start to do things out of desperation, which are not aligned with your values. So that's let me yes. try to explain that again which is what may happen because of the situation we put been put into is we might start to act in a way which is counterintuitive to our values which is you know the complete opposite to what we believe in which is for example our finances may be hit so it means are we feeding the family on mcdonald's because it's cheap and convenient or are we trying to get creative with another way of making sure the family stays healthy as an example so putting cost aside as an example you could still do a shop uh, a vegetable shop as such mm -hmm. which still aligns with your value of health um, if you're going to make a business decision if you're going to make a career decision and you're now in this opportunity where maybe you've uh, financially been okay but you've been furloughed or you've lost your job but now you get this opportunity to now reapply for a career do you do it based on i need money or do you do it based on what value is important to you is it is your value creativity and for decades you've been in a job which is maybe an engineering base 
which I used to be in, Love it. which is not creative. I so, love this. It's a nice different frame. And is it, and just want to add that what Hamid is doing really well here is he's just bringing a different perspective because this whole, if we, if you were live in front of us, enough questions, it would be very quick where the gaps in your approach to your values are. So I like, I like this uh, positioning as well. It's great. Yeah, I think we're just trying to set the scene well, which is, again, like if this was somebody's personal scenario, you know, you could quickly work through this process with them and they could be on the cusp of, you know, sometimes people come to it as simple as a challenge as I'm about to embark on this business um, or this startup or this new idea. And I know one of the questions you would ask before that, which is what are your values? And yeah. if this business suddenly turns up and it does not serve the values that they've just explained to you, for example, I, I my values are family. Okay, well, one thing you really picked up on me and my wife many years ago was, okay, Harms, if one of your values is family, you're about to start three different businesses. Um, how much time are you going to be able to spend with your family? Just just an open question. And then it's like putting yourself into the future and realizing this decision you're about to make is going to make you miserable because actually it doesn't serve the values that you just defined. Yeah, Extremely powerful. And I know I appreciate it's quite difficult to understand that on the surface. I don't know if there's another way to explain that, Ro. No, I think you've just nailed it. The key thing, if you're listening to what Harmind is saying is, what because of limited time what we're trying to do in this process is get you to start to stop and reevaluate so the the process of reevaluation of values is not to criticize those values but to be aware of what your core values are now an easy way to approach this for now is to take a piece of paper and to capture what you believe to be your core values may be now be mindful that there's one, one way to do it is to write down what you think they are versus what you want them to be. And this was the challenge when I started doing the live process with people on Turning Point and I'd bring them up to stage and I say, okay, so talk, talk to me about your values now. And they go, oh yeah, my values are this. And I say, okay, wait a minute. Are they, are they the values you want to experience or are they the values that you have been living by? And they go, oh no, that's a good point. No, that's what I want to experience. So you've got to start by writing down what experience what values you believe you've been experiencing so far so i'm going to open up and get you to have a look at this. now you've got um with every value you've got a set of rules which we'll come to in a moment but let me give you some idea of typical values if you those of you that have got a copy of the book great just go there straight away otherwise you can always get one on, on amazon but page 88 i've got a list of something like 20 or 30 different types of values and this, there's so many more than that. But let me give you some clues that might help you just going ahead. If I, I'll read a few out, Harms, if that's okay. So, well, what would be useful is as you read these out, can you give us an example of what, with these using the values, what you mean by if somebody came up on stage with you, and I know I've seen this myself, okay, yeah. and they are saying to you, um, they're having that paradox with, with these are the values that I would like to live by versus these are the values I am living by, which is which almost always just takes them by surprise, which is like, ah, that's already, I understand already what you mean now, Ro. So if you just play some of those in that example, because for example, success is always a big one, you know, and how they're living is almost paradox to the idea that they want to value success. Okay, love it. So uh, what I'll do, so I'll read a few out and then I'll, I'll narrow in on a couple. I'll, I'll narrow in on health and uh, have a look here, joyfulness. So I'll give you, I'll give you five examples of values. Your life, and I discovered this through a combination of a uh, lot of personal development, observation of human beings, working a lot with people as well, is most of the time 
that your top three to five, I mean, it, it almost comes down to your top three, to be honest, but top three to five values out of maybe 20 or 30 values that you hold, your top three to five will literally be what you, which dominate and show up most of the time, because that's where you gravitate most. So be, be mindful of that. I'll give you five examples, right, of, of, of values and then no specific order. So uh, health, creativity, uh, joyfulness, I'm just reading from the list here, wisdom and integrity. So you can value health, you can value creativity, you can value uh, joyfulness, you can value integrity. I'll give you one other one. Um, you can value fun. And so these are things that you want to experience on a regular basis and things that you place a lot of value on so they become values in your life. So let's go back to what you just talked about there, Harms, and say the difference. So somebody said to me, yeah, yeah, so I value health. And I said, okay, great. So describe um, a, you know, a typical day. Well, I get up early and basically I, I get off to work as quickly as I possibly can, sort the kids out, and then I just basically jump in the car. And on the way to work, I'll probably grab myself a coffee. When I get to work, normally what happens is there's a lot going on. I've got a lot of meetings. So I I, I grab, um, there's a local literally a, a, one of these sort of um, mobile places that does burgers so i usually grab a burger there something quick anyway and then that kind of gives me a bit of fuel for the day and the nice thing is by the end of the day i get home and normally what i do is um, if i can i'll try and do myself a smoothie and then i usually probably eat and i used to run a lot and go to the gym four or five times a week and run because of my job at the moment and because i'm trying to get this new pay rise my boss has told me if I get this project done by the end of the year, uh, it's looking like I'm going to get a promotion, which is brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, and that's sort of a typical week for me. Uh, what about your weekends? <laughs> well, so, 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 sounds like you're describing me uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, OK, so this is an interesting point, because in your mind, if somebody said to me, OK, so so if I said to that person, so that so you said health is one of your primary values. Yeah, yeah it is. OK. Uh, what else? Well, yeah, health and family and uh, success. So those three, right? If they said to me, health, family and success, immediately, anyone that's got any level of observation can see that that person's putting their success as a value above everything else. And you might argue, well, well no, because they're going home, they're spending time with their family. Well, what the family is getting is them at the end of the day when they're knackered. They're leaving early. They come back at seven or eight o'clock at night. Then they're spending maybe a couple of hours with their kids if it's time or their partner, but they're knackered. But what's not been looked after is the health. And if you think about it, if they're eating fast food, squeezing stuff in, not connecting with their food, taking the time to sit down and prepare it, enjoy it, and actually full, fulfill their body's need for nutrition and not fuel because fuel is not nutrition. You can eat a burger, you can eat some chips, and you, without a doubt, there's fat there, there's definitely carbohydrates there. So you will get fuel, but you won't get nutrition. And if that's done long enough, the body will start to suffer. And again, I'm not here to give health advice, but go look at this and you'll know that very quickly if you research because, it. Because is it fair to say, well, that you know, one of the questions you'd ask them is, okay, so there's, there looks like, you know, you're saying to me the success, family and health, you value all these items. Yeah. Uh, would you, would you rank them? Would you ask them to then rank yeah, right. them? They would then say, they would probably say to you based on the scenario is actually it's family number one, health number two, and then success is number three. But we already know what's actually how they're showing there. up. Yeah, how so, they're showing exactly. Up. So on, on, I mean, in the turning point, we go through this process live in the book. It's I think it's page eighty nine ninety. It's called the hierarchy of values. And so what Harms is alluding to there is, first of all, what I'd normally do if I'm coaching somebody is 
asked him the question, describe your life. And, and I'm literally sat there and he's seen me. Do I'm just, I'll be maybe looking at them, but my right hand is just writing down health, success. Da, da, da. And then in my mind, they're living for success first, because by the way, when they get that pay rise, let's not bullshit each other here. If I'm having that conversation, the minute they get that pay rise, what do you think the boss is going to be looking for the next year? I want to see you perform. You get that new job, you get that new title. All you want to do then is perform well. So the, the story we tell our family is daddy will be able to spend more time with you once I've just proved myself in this new job, which, by the way, has taken them a year of not looking after their health and spending time with their kids. Hopefully I'm describing a picture some of you can relate to because I went there myself in the years gone by. And that is now I've got to prove myself in this new job role. So for the next year, I'm going to put longer hours in. I'm going to eat shit. I'm going to grab myself. I'm not saying coffee is bad. I'm just saying if you just live by that and you're not fueling yourself, you're not giving nutrition and all these things, not getting to sleep. Year number two becomes uh, two years of now trying to prove yourself. And all of a sudden you go home and you open the door and you notice a dear John or a dear Sarah message on, and it's like the family's gone because the very promises you were making to your partner and your kids, now that's just got to a point where they can't deal with it. So this is where I, we have to deal with it because people go, yeah, but you don't understand because I had to prove myself to my boss. Well, actually, you made a promise to your wife, your husband and your kids. Yeah, but it's all about money. OK, and there again, there's another value. So they've now put financial success above all these other things. It's making sense, Harms. Yeah. And when they come home and they see that dear John, dear Sarah letter, the last thing they're going to do is go hit the gym and go for a run yeah. and have a healthy salad. Yeah, yeah. So now, exactly. Now yeah. they start to eat to try and make themselves feel better. Now, I've got a question for you, right? For the younger generation, for the, for the, uh, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because this is not even about generation. It's about emotional development. But do you see the 20 to 30, 35 year olds uh, living by a set of values, do you see them defining their values as a rule? Do you think that's happening at the moment? Do you think they're actually waking up in that generation right now and saying, I'm going to set my rules out and my values out. I'm going to define those first and live by those values. Or do you think they're being tugged by another set of pools around them? Do you think their values are even being thrown upon them by, I don't know, social media and stuff like that? What's happening to the younger so, generation? So, so I think, Cause, so cause, just sorry to jump in, because what I hear a lot in the older generation is, oh, I don't know, the values of youngsters today isn't the same as our values when I grew up. That's what I hear. That's a really good insight. That's a good frame to answer the question, actually. So I think, uh, honestly, 99% people do not go through this exercise of defining what their values are, never mind reevaluating the values often. So I think that's just across all scopes. Now, I think my generation's values are defined by the culture, defined by documentaries on Netflix, defined by what headlines are being pumped out by social media. I think their values are being defined by ex everything external, but nothing internal. That's my observation. Well, it is of my generation. And so when your generation says, yeah, the values are different, of course they're different because the culture, society, technology is different and showing up in a different way which is dictating their values. So every so often you find a, let's just put a quote unquote, a youngster or somebody of my generation who's, who appears as a youngster to them. And they're like, the elder generation are saying to them, ah, this person's really wise for their age, or this person seems emotionally developed, or this person is 10 years older yeah. than they are. Now, these people, if you spot them, they're the people who are living their life by their own set of values. Hmm. 
because and then they show up against those values they don't have this paradox where they say yeah i want to be super healthy and then they go to mcdonald's the next day they're not living this paradox they they know what their values are and most of the time nobody's perfect most of the time they're doing their best to live by those values they believe in so i think that's a one percent honestly it's i just i don't i rarely see it. i've got a small mm-hmm. tight group of friends and you know maybe one or two of them have this kind of value definition set up everybody else is just following what everybody else says outside the the pop stars celebrities movie stars uh, music has a great influence and their values are then defined by those external influences i think this is a good point and and if you're listening to this either if you're of my age group you've got kids in that younger generation or if you're sitting listening to this as a younger generation try not to take this as a criticism it's more an observation in the sense that okay and it's a question is actually am i and if i am doing it then how can i change that so i think the point you're trying to make and in my generation it was more you know the big movie stars the tv stars there wasn't such easy access to literally instantaneous uh, viewpoints from so many different people out there with so and it's in our faces now it's thrown in our faces whereas People used to say values don't change very much because we were old school. You know, it was passed on from our parents. There was a lot more respect. There was a lot more listening to the older generation and holding value on that. I mean, you and I were commenting on um, a Dave Chappelle interview uh, recently where he was, uh, well, not recently, but it was done several years ago with Maya Angelou, who's an incredibly beautiful human being she you know i remember reading her poetry 20 25 years ago and her insights and her wisdom and she commented at the end of the interview that he is i wanted to talk to him because he is a inspirational voice for young black people and at the same time he listens to older people and she said when people listen to older people you can tell that they've been brought up by a strong set of values to respect the wisdom she said doesn't mean to say he has to agree with what we say but he takes the time to listen to what we say and process it. Now that is old school values processing. Whereas today people, and again, I'm not criticizing, but what I see is, and you might be able to challenge me on this or agree with me, people tend to change that viewpoint so quickly. In other words, the values aren't rooted down like an oak tree into the ground. They're in our garden, but they feel like a new grown tree, possibly a weed and, um, there isn't the same depth of those values. They don't hold on to them. They're driven by external, almost like bling type influence. Uh, I'm sorry if I sound old school, but that's just how it feels to me. So I, I like that example. And let me add another one for the generations to be able to understand how the shift has changed around maybe values and the way my generation is showing up and even people younger than me. Something which was a massive cultural influence on what defined how people should behave and values, the, what values they should live by was, you know, Disney movies. Disney movies shape a generation. Now, if you narrow that down and say, okay, how was females portrayed in Disney movies back in the day? And what 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 does that mean for the values that they should live by? And if they did not live by those values, they would be discredited in society. So some of the old school Disney movies maybe but didn't portray females in a healthy way or empower them with the right values and what i've loved is you know these these collaborations with pixar and disney evolving as a organization and culture you've got now these movies like moana frozen and every adult has has seen them if you've taken your kids or nieces and nephews 
movies like Brave, Frozen, Moana. Uh, Pocahontas is probably the original one. And these values now are imparted on this generation. And that's how these shifts and cultural shifts start to occur. So again, just talking back to that phrase, which is the younger generation don't live by the values that we used to live by because they, they've evolved. They've evolved, cultures evolved, the way that that change is put out into society yeah. evolves as well. So the conversation is different. And I would then kick back and say, maybe the older generation need to need to reevaluate their values. Yeah. You know, they should go through this step that we're talking about and just check in and say, are my values up to date? Yeah, that's <laughs> a know? good point, actually. Yeah. I think you've added a nice dimension in there. And I th- at this whole point, the turning point process is you check in. It's a feeling at the end of the day. So if you just simply go back to the basic definition, what do I want to feel more of on a consistent and regular basis? That's a lovely. In fact, that might be our action, actually, for this part of the process. Step two, which is go away this next week and ask yourself, forget trying to label uh, it as a value to start with. Just sit down. This comes into the process of creating your own new identity. Because remember, we're coming out of something that's been a massive change. So th- what the process that Harminder and I are getting across to you here is, First of all, looking at your language. So what what language? Think about the future now. Coming forward, how do I want to be in the future? How do I want my language to be? How do I want my communication to be? How do I want my questions to be, my statements? How would I like to redefine myself in this new new, new norm as they're defining it as? Then values. What values do I want to have? We, we can look at our existing ones. I think that's important. But then we start to look at what are the new values I want to have in this new norm, this new lifestyle that I want. I'm coming out of COVID. I don't want to be the same. This is what I've been in the past. These are the values, whether you're older generation, as Harms is just saying, maybe it's a revaluation there, thinking it through, or younger generation saying, well, everything I do is, you know, I get it from YouTube, Facebook, or whatever. I kind of like what they're doing there. That's great. But instead of you trying to be someone else, What about if you just press the pause and say, right, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? Who inspires me in the world? What, where do I get my greatest inspiration? Not from a financial perspective, although that is a big part of it, but relationships, health, integrity, emotional development, financial development, wealth development. Yes. Look beyond the surface, look beyond the visuals and all that stuff, but ask the deeper questions, go to black belt and your questions and ask, you know, who do I want to be? And that will help you emerge a set of values for yourself. And I think that's a, a good starting point because we could get deeper into this, but there isn't the time to do that now. I mean, certainly you can go and look at this separately through the book, et cetera, but this is a great place to start. And I can almost guarantee if you're going to go through a change that a set of values you've got today will be different into the future. There's certain values you've got to drop or rearrange in other ways, give them a different order. That's great, Ro. And if I was to add one more addition to that before we move on to the next step the final step of today's episode is see if you can spot some some uh, conflicts i think that's the right word conflicts where you may say health is my top value family is my top value and then try map that against what is your typical week and see if you show up how you explain your value hierarchy to be i think that's a really cool step as well well, you just gave a scenario of somebody's typical week, you can just map that for yourself and then see if that aligns with the values that you've written down or is it in conflict with the values. And then you can go deep into this exercise to then start revaluing those values for your life. So that's step two. Now, Ro, what is step three? The final step today, and for listeners at home, we're going to be 
covering the next three steps on a part two. Yeah, good. I'm glad we've made decision to do that because we'd be here for a few more hours, wouldn't we? <laughs> so step three is change your conditions. Now, I need to explain what I mean by this. So I'm going to flick to a diagram. I was going to verbally describe it, but I've kind of got a formula for this. So if you um, draw three circles in a row on a page, if you haven't got a copy of the book, I'll give it to you now if you're listening. You draw three circles in a row, um, big enough to write something in the middle. And the first circle says core values, right? That's the one on the left-hand side. Then you're going to put a plus in between these two. For, for It's a formula. So it's circle one plus circle two equals circle three. Think of it like that. So the first one is core values plus the second circle is strict conditions, right? Condition, another word for that might be rules. You set, have a set of conditions. In order for me to experience my core value, which is the first circle, I have a set of conditions around that. That equals, and then the third circle is, and write this down, difficult to experience. So let me just break this down and then ask me questions if it doesn't make sense, Harms. I love this one, by the way. You understand it, but but you might want to clarify if, if it's not clear enough. So what I'm saying to everybody is this. If you want to make something really difficult to experience, It's circle number one plus circle number two equals circle number three, which is difficult to experience. Circle number one is core values plus very strict conditions, very strict rules, restricting rules equals make it hard to experience. This is what most people do. They make it too difficult to experience a set of values. And then they complain when I sort of working with them or they come on stage, whatever in the old days, it used to be like, come on to stage. Tell me about what you want to experience. I want to experience love that's the value i want to experience more of but i'm just not experiencing it dr okay so what you're saying is one of your core values is love yes are you talking about love in a relationship or with your family it's more on a relationship level i want to experience more love okay so tell me how you know when you're experiencing more love now that's the classic question that leads to a set of conditions because whatever that person tells us next is what the meaning is they give to love how they achieve their love in a relationship so i think you might have experienced this when you watched this live we had a, a lovely lady come onto stage i'm sure it was the event you were at harminda where she said i you know i keep having these relationships but none of them last very long um there's an indian lady do you remember that um, i remember that that's okay, why so, i said i love this example, okay okay right, so, i've seen it play out in real life and i met her a year later after she'd done this relaxation of her rules and she came bounding up she was in a great relationship really happy it was really nice to see but she was strangling this value of love she wants she valued love she wanted to have this feeling of love in relationships and if you remember i said well how do you know if you feel love and she said well if he does the following so it's like if he messages me all day long if he texts me to tell me he loves you if he remembers uh, the things that i asked him to do at the beginning of the day he has to call me every single night and he has to do this and there was a whole bunch of different things that this gentleman that she was dating, whoever it might be, had to do in order for her to feel loved. And I said, okay, so hold a minute. So there's six or seven different things here. What if one of those things was, I think it was, he has to text me every day at the end of the day and just tell me he loves me. I said, so what if he doesn't text you? He's done all these other things here, but what if he doesn't text you? In that case, that tells me he doesn't love me. But what if you had a really tough day, exhausted, and he's done all these other things? He's, he's dropped you a message earlier on. He's called you. He's remembered what you asked him to do in the morning, but he forgot to send you that text. Oh, well, he's, um, nah, that just tells me he doesn't love me. And the audience were like, 
as 300 of you. Do you remember? It's like, oh my God. Even the blokes were thinking, oh my God. <laughs> wow. She's got some rules. How, so that's a, how yeah. am I going to achieve that? Some of the blokes were like, wow, you know, I love my wife, but if she asked me to do that, I don't, what if I forget on one day? <laughs> and this had been happening, isn't it? So what she told us was the minute one of these two, one or, one, or, one or two of these rules, these conditions had been dropped, the minute her partners stopped satisfying this formula for her, exact formula, by the way, I asked her the question, well, what would happen? She goes, well, I've just, I just finished the relationship after a couple of months because I can tell that he doesn't love me. And, and it, it left a real tension in the room because you could see people going, oh my gosh. How's that even achievable for somebody on a consistent, regular basis to fulfill every one of those rules every single but, day? But in the same, you know, that that feeling of tension was also because I think a lot of people were realizing, maybe not in a particular love scenario, <laughs> yeah. but other people were attaching these rules to different parts of their life. So, you know, for example, let's if, if we tie this back to COVID and say, I love this health value, by the way, because, you know, when, when we had previous experts um, Mel and Rob on the podcast, one of the things they said was, you know, focus on strengthening your immunity. So I think we should always continue to hammer home, certainly awareness of, of health and get that into people's awareness. I think that's so useful. But if we look at the, the same scenario and put this to health, so the core value in circle one is health plus strict condition equal difficult to experience. Now, if you asked me and said, uh, harms, what are your rules around health during covid so i reassessed this during covid bearing in mind i had a bit more time so it was okay let's run at least and i didn't put a kilometers around it let's at least run twice a week that was a goal let's get one cycle socially distanced cycle riding with row once a week let's um, make sure i'm having a green juice once a day and then I started to add a whole bunch more. So then I started to say, uh, okay, I want to go sleep at 10 o'clock every night, wake up at seven o'clock every day. Then I want to make sure I can do a kettlebells exercise in that same week. So having already known this and been aware of this scenario, having gone through Turning Point, read the book, I started to add a whole bunch of rules which were aligned with my, my core value of right, health right. and realized after a week, why is this so difficult to experience? Why am I not feeling like I'm being healthy? And it was because I, I, I gave myself 10, 15 things to do at the start of COVID-19. Yeah. It's like, right, I'm going to become, I'm going to get a six pack. I'm going to become the healthiest person in the world in this next three months. And what I realized is actually when I started to relax the rules, I still was being healthy, but now I actually felt like I was being healthy rather than yeah putting myself in this no-win situation. So, so, I, so I hopefully that resonates. Just jumping in on what Harms is saying there, and I use the balloon scenario a lot for beliefs and values. And think of Harms, it's got this huge, beautiful balloon, and we'll call it a green balloon, and on it it says healthy, filled with lots of hot air and intention. He's in a basket beneath, and over the side of his basket, there's these ropes, and they're around these ropes are these sandbags, and each sandbag represents a rule, a condition, in order for him to feel healthy. So now he's got like 10 to 50, even as you were describing it, I was thinking, okay, that's going to be interesting. And plus he's got a pregnant wife, remember, as well. So he's trying to get that balance in his relationship. So, and his job and, sorry, his businesses that he was talking to us about earlier on. So you've got a classic situation now where, and everybody does this when they're wanting to really live by this value. I really, this value is so meaningful. The challenge is because it's so meaningful to us, we then want to make it 
we want to really bolster up how to achieve it. So one sandbag goes over. I want to go for a cycle ride once a week. Another sandbag over. I want to go running twice a week. Another sandbag goes, I'm going to smoothie it once. And that, that's probably okay. The balloon can lift off. There's, those are okay. They're sensible. And you know, now he throws another one, another one. And these sandbags are all weighing down the balloon. So the, the challenge is they're like tethers. These, these conditions become tethers. But we need to find a balance. So he, if he starts to chop some of these rules, which is what you said, maybe you can help us how you achieve that in the end. But if he chops some of these rules and says, well, okay, you know what? I can make this easier. I can relax my rules. That's the phrase that's become a bit of a joke around our events when we say you got to relax, relax the rules. There's a point where there is enough weight to, get the, to allow the balloon to take off and to achieve his goal. But at the same time, it's done in a sensible way. The balloon gradually lifts up and he achieves it in a sensible way. As opposed to too many rules, it never gets off the ground. And too few rules, it'll just fly up and he's not really achieving anything. He's going to suddenly go up too high too quickly. Does that help? That's some, that sort of description of what you... That description is really useful, actually. So it paints a different picture for the listeners. And to answer your question, how I was able to relax the rules is, number one, I was aware of this process. I was very quickly, within three or four days, realizing uh, I'm doing lots, but I don't feel like I'm being healthy because some of my rules were not being met. Some of my strict conditions were not being met in order to be healthy. So I went really extreme with it and said, what is one thing I can do? Just start nice. with yeah. one thing. And that was just running. And that's, you know, where I said, all I'm doing every day is if I can get one run in, it doesn't matter how far, how fast, how long, just get one run in. So that became my strict condition. Now, that's quite easy to achieve. So I was, it was really easy. So my core value was health plus my strict condition, which is actually a relaxed condition now, just run once a day. That's it. That's, there's no other criteria around yeah. that, which, which meant equals it was easy to experience. And then from there, once those became habits and, and, and so on and so forth, I would just add a few other bits. But my default was the run. Everything else was a bonus, but my condition was if I can just get a run in. And, and what's how important I did it. here is not to, this is not to try and escape the fulfillment of that value. It's, it's about make, it's like when you, when the balloon takes off, it goes up. Now, if Harminder's balloon was taken off too quickly and it was rising too quickly and he said, we need to slow this experience down and enjoy it more. He might throw another one off and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a run and a juice once a day. And now he goes to sleep. He feels healthy because he's had his juice, he's had his run. And the speed of that, that journey feels more sensible to him. And now he can add more to it. So the key message here, I think, in all of this is don't overthink it. But at the same time, you do have to have some level of measuring it. How do you know? that you are feeling healthier or, in, you know, it could be another one might be integrity. Uh, I'm just trying to pull one out from the turning point. For those of you that have got a copy of the book, page 99, you know, my current value conditions for feeling integrity. So any of the following conditions should be met for me uh, to know that I'm acting with integrity. I honor my word when I say I will do something. I operate a professional and honest way. So again, this could be a business related one. I focus uh, on people first, not on how much I can make of a deal. I don't compromise my values to get a quick solution or to make money. Now, each one of those are brilliant integrity rules or conditions. If somebody suddenly said only if and only if this and only if that and only if that and only if that, you know, there's five or six different conditions there. 
if one of those doesn't get met, then I don't feel like I'm operating integrity. Yeah, but you actually did something here. You were honest and you were professional with that person. Yeah, no, but I also need to make sure I don't compromise this and I don't compromise that. Yeah, but what you did was you were honest with them and you were professional with them. And what you did was you compromised on the price of the prop, uh, of the product you sold them and you gave them great value. And on this occasion, they walked away and you had integrity. Ah, right. Okay. So what if you relaxed it? What if you said, well, if I honor my word or if I operate in a professional way or if I focus on people first or if I don't compromise my values, then it then it's one of those rules as opposed to every single one of those. If I make that clear enough, Harms. Yes. So that's another way in which you can execute this. So, for example, the way I executed was I stripped it all down back to one. There you go. Like it was like, get rid of them. I'm just doing one. Yeah. And then it's easy for me to experience. And then when it became too easy, the experience was too easy. Like where we said, the balloon is shooting off. I added another one just to make it the, the, the experience enjoyable and challenging. Another and by the way, way I can execute. vouch for that because I got these text messages saying, do you fancy going for a ride? Do you fancy going for a ride? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was me saying, okay, my health is just too easy at the moment. Let me add another layer to this. Yeah. So the other way to execute this is the way that you just described. Were. So I love that because they've got two different ways to execute this. One is list them all out, but don't you don't have to feel like you have to hit all of those conditions in order to feel a certain experience it can be either or either or either yeah or. and and if 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 it helps just to wrap this all up these first three steps is you might say okay ro so so let me give you a sort of an example let's i'm going to use the word joyful because joyful is an amazing word it's, it's one of the highest frequency resonating words in the scale of consciousness joy actually as opposed to joyfulness but the two are attached to each other so if you said to me you know at the moment i'm feeling heavy and my internal language is not very joyful i want to feel more joyful so you you, you're saying to yourself i want to feel more joyful which means you value joyfulness you value joy and fun let's just try and wrap those together Um, in that case for the next week start to have conversations with yourself about asking questions like how can I have more fun and feel more joyful when I go out to work or when I make my Zoom calls or when I go out and spend time with my kids or whatever it is you're going to be doing. So ask a more productive question. And that may result in you, for example, you know, this weekend as I'm recording this, Harminda spoke to my partner yesterday and said, you know, how about we all get together for dinner? We do a socially distance uh, thing where everybody just has a chance to just catch up. Uh, that was uh, a question which then led to a constructive thing, way of doing it in, in, a, in a healthy, vibrant way, which is socially sound. And the rules have changed for us now, so that's possible to do. Uh, but that was done in a very constructive question. Not, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to, can we do this? Is it possible? It was a very different type of question. Now, that also links into a value of a connection with people that we're close to so we're now got a value there and we can make the rule around that if we can if it wasn't we have to the rule isn't we have to get together this weekend in order for for me to feel connected it's uh, actually it would be great if we can connect and you know if we can't do it as a full-blooded meal maybe we go for a walk together so if you listen to that conversation it was like well let's see how the weather is and it has to be it doesn't have to be perfect see how the weather is what if we can get together and maybe do a socially uh, safe uh, meal great or if not maybe we go for a walk three relaxed rules that make the weekend joyful but it's not so strict that everyone's going oh my gosh but we were supposed to do this and we were supposed to get together and we we're supposed to meet at this time you can't do that the minute you relax the rules you still have fun so there's a real example it's live as we're recording this 
And I think that's a really useful example because so many people are going to be transitioning back to meeting their families, hanging out with friends. Yes. And just take that example as a way just to relax and ease yourself into it without every family has those uh, people or scenarios where there's so much tension. Uh, you know, you just think especially of the now get togethers, especially now. So imagine coming out of this, you know, some of the family experiences have to be perfect when you that now would have meet up. Harms, I think that's the one to underline there. See, listen to Harmander's language. So when they say we have, and that's hundred percent, we have to um, have a family dinner. It has to be a three course meal. We have to have everybody there. We we have to have a barbecue. The weather has to be perfect. Has is probably another similar mm, word. Yeah. So I would say step away from that and just remember why we're reconnecting. What have you missed? What have you loved? And don't attach all these rules to it. And and that would make the experience so much more joyful, happy, light, like fun. Uh, because the alternative is you're going to meet your family again. And then you're going to be like, ah, this is why I only wanted to have dinner with them once a quarter. Or this is why we only meet at Christmas. So this is such a great, powerful tool in in the way in which you can rebond with your families after COVID in a transformational way by relaxing some of the rules. Mm. Can I add to that with a financial one? So for those of you that are coming back in and there's opportunities ahead, there's business opportunities or getting back into your swing, it's the same thing there. You're going to have to look at that internal reaction in your body. So I got the opportunity this weekend uh, to speak uh, and, you know, I could have earned a reasonable amount of money. It was an online presentation and, 10 years ago, even five years ago, I'd have jumped at it and said, yeah, just smashed it. Even though my whole world is upside down at the moment, Harminder actually came to help out yesterday because we are literally, we have builders in our house going around the house, laying wooden floor and wooden ceilings. We're going for a specific Scandinavian look. But in order to do that, we have to move our bedroom, our living space, our cupboards and everything room by room and, and you'll vouch for this because you helped us do this yesterday after it came in and we had to find a way to creatively do it now that pressure of that on me and the family is immense and I could have done it I could have got ready I could have prepared and got ready to do the presentation however it would have put a lot of stress on me and the family and in the past I kind of would have lived with that and I just said you know what I don't need to I can relax my rules there's somebody else that can do this who can do you know a great job as well and so I just said, I don't have to do this. And I changed it to, it would be nice to do it, but I'll do it next month instead. What's important to me right now is making sure that we do the transition for the family. And it made the experience completely different. And it took away that feeling of, I need to be doing this right now. I need to be doing this right now. And that's a, that's a financial example where, where you've got to look ahead now with these three steps we've talked about and start to ask yourself the question, how could you enjoy the experience of transitioning out of COVID in a different way? And if you ask that question, you get better results. Absolutely. So, wow, we've covered an incredible amount. <laughs> in an hour and five. We wanted to get across the six steps of change fundamentally to help people understand that look the situation we're in have been are going through is a situation of change yes the impact is greater the severity may feel greater for you we understand all of that which is why we wanted the focus to be around the topic of covid and 
spoke about a whole bunch of different examples actually around relationships, around money, around health, around refocusing your communication so that you are pointing in a direction of a positive result versus being driven from fear. And the way we did that was Rose shared with us the first three steps to this six step change process. And just as a recap, as a reminder, step one is we firstly want to master our internal and external language. So you will go ahead as a listener and focus on everything we spoke about in that section and some of the action points and go and master your internal and external language. That's step one. Step two is we revalue your life. And the way we do this is we hone in and focus on your values at the moment. How are you showing up in the world? And then there was a handful of action steps off of step number two, which then led us on to step number three, which is change your conditions. Specifically, change those strict conditions which are holding you back from these amazing experiences we should be feeling versus constantly unable to experience fun, joy, laughter, health, and all these other cool values that you will have on your hierarchy. So that's step one, two, and three of the six-step change process. Ro, is there any final words you want to leave the listeners with before we go on to part two, where we'll be sharing the next three steps to the six-step mm. change process? And that episode will come directly after this one. Yeah, I think look it's a lot to take in and you can apply this anytime i'm going to go back to the start of the conversation at the beginning of the podcast but but for now don't try and do everything there's a lot we're covering and we're sort of digging in deep as well just simplify it just be mindful i mean this is a great example of mindfulness be mindful of what's happening internally and how you're communicating externally be mindful of where you're feeling joy and where you're feeling tension so when you're feeling any tension in any area of your life ask yourself which value is that causing me some challenges with what what do I feel like I'm not fulfilling as I look forward with this new journey this new choices I've got ahead of me and then ask yourself am I being too strict about that and if you are because you have high standards that's fine uh, but just don't make those standards so strict that it affects every area of your life and the different people around you as well and that's again where the coaching comes in but for now, I think just start with those three steps and hopefully you'll come back to the table more evolved over this next week and more aware. Don't You have to spend hours on it, but be mindful. Keep a journal, do the quiet moments that Harminder talked about. But certainly, you know, if nothing else this week, observe your language, your communication and start reflecting on your core values. Don't worry too much about the rules for now because that's that's a process. When we, If you remember, Harminder, when we did it on the turning point, that was probably a good half of a day. We went through a whole process on the, on the second day where everyone had to drag these conditions out, review them, review, and actually restructure them and then implement them. Yeah, and it comes after values. So this is sequenced in a great it's way. It's deep, yeah. Okay, so we shall see you on part two Yay. of this process this episode where we will share with you step four five and six of the six step change process to help you transition whatever is going on in your life right now whether it's covid related whether it's not covid related hopefully this is serving to be super helpful now remember we've covered a lot today we know that so the highlights will be captured on the show notes at growthtribes.com forward slash 
podcast. And if you're curious about how to become a Growth Tribes supporter, just head to growthtribes.com and you'll find out all the information there. So that's it for myself and Rose. We're signing out. We shall see you on part two of this amazing deep dive on the six step change process. Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would both like to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Growth Tribes. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal level, on a professional level, to help your life, maybe even other people's lives, then we'd love it if you could take action on one of the following things. You can either simply subscribe so you don't miss out on any other great insights coming up in the future, You can share this podcast with close friends so they can also get the benefits of the tips and tools that we're sharing. Or it would be amazing if you could give us a review and let others know just how great this episode was. And finally, if you do have a question, don't forget to submit it on growthtribes.com forward slash podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is Dr. Rowan Harm signing out and we'll see you again on the next podcast.